Hi, and welcome to the next episode of the This and One More podcast by Simple Sessions with me, James Lee. Today's guest is Di Lees, one of the three coaches alongside Tom and Ali, who will also be appearing on the podcast over the coming episodes, are founders of the Hybrid Coaching Company. Hybrid is an online coach company based in Bristol with the aim of helping you to fall back in love with your training. In this episode, we talk about why it's important to enjoy your training, how to get the most from it, and how they coach their clients to get great results long-term whilst falling back in love with training. Enjoy the episode. I hope you can get some useful points from it. I know we discussed quite a lot, but the end points especially will be beneficial to almost everyone, I think. So on with the podcast. So today on the podcast, we have Dai from, is one third of the hybrid coaching team. Um, how are you? I'm very well, Tarmit. Thank you very much for having me on. No problem. Hopefully we'll have uh, installments two and three with the other two guys fairly soon as well. Yeah, so you they're, both, um, lot. they're both very keen for it. So. Um, so if I just hand over to you to kind of give a bit of background to you personally, kind of how you got into the industry, I suppose, um, how you end up doing the hybrid and a bit more about what actually the hybrid system is um, from your side of things. That'd be great. So I think I probably had a slightly different like entryway into the industry than a lot of people generally do because tends to be a typically sporty always enjoyed it and just wanted to do something that was like to do with training or sport yeah um whereas I generally was like not athletic at all growing up um especially in like primary school and most of the way through secondary school I like I actually hated PE and doing any of that kind of stuff, mainly because I just hated I hated being crap at things. Yeah. And um, I'm like not very coordinated. I'm relatively clumsy. So whenever it came to like sport and stuff like that, I was just generally awful at it. And I like most people hate being bad at things. So I just avoided it like the plague. Um, so I spent most of my like primary school, secondary school playing Xbox um, and reading fantasy books, which is still probably like one of my go-to ways to spend time. Definitely but, um, good way to spend time. Yeah. <laughs> but then I um, I think it was when I was in university, I started playing rugby. So I guess while I was always like a bit crap at sports and stuff, I was always relatively big and strong. Um, and I started playing rugby at a like sort of amateur, like decent amateur level. And sure. rugby is quite nice in that if you're big and strong and prepared to work relatively hard, doesn't matter if you're sort of fairly crap like you can have a really good game playing second row or whatever yeah um without ever really having to touch the ball or do anything particularly skillful which is which was great for me and i discovered that i actually really enjoy playing sport um especially because the team side of stuff um and then it was because of playing rugby that i started going to the gym and training um and i think like around that sort of time when was that like 10 years ago it was when like elite fts was and t nation were some of like the sites that i was reading so a lot of my training initially was like very very powerlifting based sure. um used to sort of do like a type of like uh it was a, a joe defranco the west side for skinny bastards program yep. um which is which is like a classic if anyone remembers it um so you sort of like max out on the squat and bench every week which is great um gives you the freedom to do that so i got relatively like decently strong doing that kind of training um, and then I dislocated my knee twice um, the first time I had an ACL reconstruction 
and that was when I started getting really, really interested in like actually trading and programming was when I was rehabbing that. Um, and then it happened again and uh, I was a carpenter at the time and as I was rehabbing it the second time, I didn't have an operation, um, went for sort of like conservative management because I knew I probably yeah. wasn't going to go back to playing. <clears throat> um, I started thinking that my knee hurts all the time now on site because I'm like kneeling down and just like doing stuff all day. So I started thinking of other career paths. Um, sure. So initially, instead of being like going down the PT route, I... Um, I did a soft tissue therapy course um, and started doing sort of like soft tissue therapy, um, massage and like some rehab stuff. Um, and as I was doing that, I sort of started, because I wasn't playing rugby anymore. I um, think a lot of like ex-rugby players do sort of move towards CrossFit because yeah. you, get, you get a lot of the like competitive um, like side of, of like team sports. Um, so I moved like towards CrossFit and started coaching at a CrossFit gym. Um, it's a fairly fast and loose like world in CrossFit. If you can do if you can do some squats and muscle ups, you can probably be a CrossFit coach, or at least you could back <laughs> in the day before I upset people. Um, and yeah, I'm trying to think what from there it just sort of like I think ah I discovered Andy Mack uh, on Instagram. And I think that's where I met you and Tom yes, during yeah. combined strength um, for a few years, went to Slovenia. Um, and it was as I sort of started like widening my horizons on like different people I was looking to for like training, um, training knowledge and stuff like that, that I started moving away from doing as much soft tissue therapy and just ended up coaching everyone that I was, that they were coming to me for massage, but after a couple of sessions, I'd sort of always try and just move them towards just training um, because I just found it was like a far more effective way of managing most of the things I was seeing people. It's like moving yeah. was a far better way of managing those issues than, than um, the like manual techniques. Um, and then I moved to Bristol to work at a gym in Bristol and um, me and Tom Morgan were working at the same gym, started training together a lot. And um, that was really good because that was probably the first time that I had a really structured training plan because I'd been doing CrossFit for a few years um, and all of a sudden saw like lots and lots of improvements in my training. Um, and then it wasn't long after that that Ali started coming across from Lift to Bar to train with yeah. us a couple of times a week. And um, me and Tom had been thinking of setting up something we didn't know what really we were in we were actually we'd gone out to slovenia again um to mark's mark's gym mark Gowan's gym um <clears throat> and we were there trying to figure out what we wanted to do um and we just gave ali a call and asked if he wanted to sort of set something up with us and that was how hybrid was was born um and we've done like hybrid itself uh our company now has been through like quite a few different iterations in like two and a half years or so of running yeah. it um but essentially now we run a online group program and do online one-to-one -one coaching. Um, and there's lots of different like facets, the actual training itself, but the, the, the reason we set it up and the main thing we want to like accomplish with hybrid is just to help people fall back in love with training. Um, because training is awesome and we probably all need to do it the rest of our lives. So, 
you might as well be in love with it and enjoy it. Yeah, I think that's actually it's it's probably one of my favourite messages I think um, that I've actually seen of late from a from a like a fitness company if I'm honest, um, just because it it really does kind of touch into like what people should find training as like an enjoyment rather than a punishment. Yeah. And I think far too many. I was discussing with someone actually yesterday actually. Far too many people train as a way of like almost a punishment for how they've eaten or because you know they feel they feel fat or whatever it is rather than training yeah. to enjoy it you know yeah definitely um, and i think that that was like the the main thing i don't know if i was training as a like a form of punishment but um yeah i definitely didn't enjoy it the same way as when i moved to bristol and started training consistently with tom and ali um and it was just it was just fun like that's yeah. why we decided to, to set hybrid up is just because since we started training together training just became fun um and like everything else that surrounded it was 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 like great like getting results and all that but the whole reason we started it was because the training itself just became really really fun so we wanted to try and like you know give that to as many people as possible essentially what what is it about the kind of the, the training that you, you you thought made it the most fun was it more the like from your side of things having the kind of the, suddenly the structured program where you've gone from crossfit which is like you know, almost essentially like a random wad here, there and everywhere to having a, a structured, like progressive setup? Or do you think it was suddenly training with mates who you kind of aligned with and that was fun or like a combination of the two kind of the results, the progress and the fact that you kind of, you know, trained with mates? Um, it's a really good question. And to be honest, I think it's probably, it's probably really hard to actually pin down exactly which one of those it is at any given time because um, I was talking to Tom the other day actually I think it's much, it's a bit like a pendulum, isn't it? And you yeah. you're always going to need more of what you don't have at any given time in your training. Um, like sometimes moving towards like almost like a CrossFit X S system of like just doing things that are fun for the sake of the fun is yeah. great because that's what you need. You need it to be unstructured and completely loose, and that's what you need. And usually after a month or two of doing that, you need some structure so that you can see the progress and enjoy it from a progress point of view um but i i think more than anything it was it was training with like-minded people was the actual thing that that made the training so fun yeah because i think again a lot of people do sort of they tend to train on their own like i i definitely have mostly spent my time certainly since leaving uni training on my own um and that's i think partly because i the way i train is like I guess not really that traditional, I suppose. I like to mix kind of everything together, whereas a lot of people are still kind of, I'm going to do a back day or I'm going to do a whatever. And I'm just, I, I don't want to do that. Um, so I think having, you know, finding those like-minded people, especially in a commercial gym setting is quite difficult, generally speaking. Yeah. Um, I always think it's quite funny watching, um, watching your videos, actually, if you like doing your planches and stuff in like a pure gym, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. Um, I mean, it's not, it's not something that you see a lot of people doing, really. Um, everyone's still towards the, the bodybuilding side of things, mostly, or powerlifting. You know, there's not much much else in that space. Because um, I know you guys certainly used to do a lot of, you know, like, integrate a lot of, like, bodyweight skill stuff, and, you know, as well as your kind of, I guess, a tr more traditional training style. What, what do you do now to kind of, how do you approach it now? Because I think you changed it only recently. Um, yeah, like, the bodyweight stuff is, is was, like, Initially, it was almost, I think that's what people thought that we did, was was handstands, essentially. Um, and that that was like, 
I think that's what we thought we were going to do initially as well. Like it was really, really, that was why you would come to us is to learn to handstand as well as squat and deadlift and all that. Yeah. Um, but I think after a while, like we found that one, we, we not got bored of handstands, but um, past a certain point there, it's a very, very high, uh, like it requires a lot of like effort and yeah. consistency um to get those like marginal gains once you pass once you get past like a minute long handstand or something though there's like very marginal gains for lots and lots of effort um so for us it became like slightly less rewarding putting time into it and equally um i found that for a lot of people when you program it for them it's great initially you can get like do five to ten minutes skill blocks a day which is which is brilliant and they get like a five to 10 second handstand relatively quickly. Yeah. Um, but past that, like the gains up to a minute, just they just take longer and longer and longer. And like a lot of people come in from a, if they're like a fairly general population type client or like an ex, like say rugby client, it, sometimes they were not getting progress as fast as they would like in a handstand just because of like injuries and like yeah. not having the time to put the work in to like get the handstand and they were almost getting demotivated by it as opposed to like finding using it as a point where they were getting like loads and loads of fun out of the training so we we absolutely still program it but um we have like consciously made a focus on it not being like a prime part of the program so now we program them as optional blocks that people can have like bolted onto their programs usually yeah that's, that's quite interesting so it's something that i've sort of um, come across as well probably more over the last six months or a year where i've been thinking about it more i think is like i think partly because like we really enjoy that stuff you assume everyone's gonna have the same kind of perseverance um, and especially with the skill stuff it does take you know, it just takes a long time like unless you're really patient and you unless you kind of are quite happy to you know, do it for three months and see a, a relatively small gain. You know, it's like with Olympic lifting, it's the same kind of thing. You know, yeah, you're gonna you're going to be terrible when you start, like no matter what. But actually, having the coming back the second session, reminding yourself that you're still terrible is actually quite hard to yeah. keep going. Whereas, like, you know, with a bench press, you're, you're only going to get better. Like, I don't yeah. think I've ever seen anyone get worse at it because it's you know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, it's just this, it's quite a straightforward yeah. thing, and you can you can see tangible results very quickly which I think the same as like weight loss, right? You want to see a quick result to start with and then you can start tinkering with things kind of down yeah. the line. Well, it's like, it's the whole, the whole model of like building um, like internal motivation. You like competency is one of the, one of the pillars that you need to develop in that you have to feel relatively competent what you're doing to have motivation to carry on doing it. Um, and if that, that, you know, it's fine being crap at something for a little while, but if after, a few weeks of practicing something you can't see that competency like increasing then i think a lot of it's very hard for a lot of people to keep that motivation yeah especially if training something that they sort of begrudge anyway <laughs> start yeah, with definitely yeah um and cause, i mean you know do you is it another question is that a lot of people tend to kind of try and optimize everything these days and i think it was something i saw it might have been um it's david's training on, on instagram i can't yeah posted about the other day and I thought it was really interesting where it's like yeah it's almost like this optimization overwhelm you can kind of like overwhelm yourself with numbers trying to make everything perfect and then kind of paralysis by analysis type of thing of 
actually do nothing because nothing's quite where you want it to be. How do yeah. you kind of adapt that for your, especially with group training, how do you kind of adapt that for, for your kind of variance within the group? If you'll have to stop me because I could probably rattle on this for crack quite on. a while. Yeah, crack um, on. I, I am definitely, uh, I bias towards being a massive geek. I, I love numbers and I absolutely like, I love just reading studies and trying to figure out what the best way to do things is. And I like definitely suffer from paralysis by analysis. I've got to say that so carefully because there's so <laughs> many things you could get wrong with that. Yeah. Um, like I want to know exactly how to progress something if I don't have like, um, like the right piece of equipment to track a time like I really struggle with not having that it's actually like I've gone completely yeah. um like no trackers for a while now because um I think it's better for my mental health essentially <laughs> yeah. in the long run because uh, I was doing like yeah work and then using a using a separate heart rate band to take my HRV in the morning and at one point I was I even almost started taking my like fasting blood glucose in the morning um and I think it's, I think all those things are really, really interesting, obviously, because I've tried yeah. more. Um, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with dipping your toes into them every now and again. Um, but it's, I think it's really, really important to make sure you keep going back to the basics. Um, yeah. That's why I get really, really frustrated. You see like different people throwing out like information on, on different social media platforms because it's so easy for people to get overwhelmed and I think that probably one of our main jobs as like health and fitness professionals should be trying to make it as easy as possible and as simple as possible for people to come back and realize that they just need to do the basics yeah. um, and like I always I always find it like I feel sometimes like I'm arguing with myself because all the things that I end up telling people they don't need to do I, I do or I have done at various other points in yeah. like my training history and I don't think there's anything wrong with them. I just think that it's not what people need to hear because they end up using these things as like a crux or an excuse as to why they're not getting results or they're not, not getting enjoyment from their training. Um, so in terms of like how we uh, differentiate that, especially with like group programming online, um, so our legacy program at the moment is very much about optimizing it like it's slightly more towards that that end of things like it's a performance program it's essentially a concurrent like powerlifting and running program um so it it asks you to know your heart rate when you're running it asks you to track it it asks you to do certain amounts of like zone two work to run at paces so you are going to need a pace watch um but we're actually at the moment switch or not switching legacy is going to carry on going as a performance program um but we're actually in the process of releasing like basically a step back from that where like a program that is done and purely for enjoyment you're not necessarily going to track numbers we're not always going to be looking to progress lifts or anything like that um a little bit more variety essentially probably what what i think pro most crossfit programs should look like yeah. um like we're actually going to go back to having some elements of bodyweight skill stuff, but we're going to, we're planning to sort of change them like more often than you can catch up with the progressions, if that makes sense. Yeah. So before you have a chance to get bored or like make loads of progress and then get a bit bored, um, the variations are going to be changing every four to six weeks. Um, and it's 
it's essentially going to be our take on a program that you could do for the rest of your life um, and then the idea is that that'll give people a chance to you know maybe you'll do that for like nine months of the year or something and then when you're like oh do you know what i really fancy knuckling down on my training and hitting some numbers now you might dip back into the like the legacy performance program and um and and chase some numbers and some prs yeah that sounds like quite a good kind of way of doing things actually i think and yeah i think people don't have a good enough appreciation of how important the basics are generally speaking like there's always a big rush to to progress to like the the high level lifts or that really big back squad or whatever but actually i think the ego takes a bit of a hit doesn't it when you tell people to kind of like okay we're going to come back to basics and we're just going to do some press-ups rather than some really heavy yeah but actually they're the the really important things to make sure that your positioning's right you know your joints are good and all all this sort of stuff that actually underpins everything else yeah definitely i think that's one of the things that get missed gets missed from like um when people look at like people on social media is they end up like not seeing the fact that a lot of the people that are that like look an incredible nick and do lots of different things to very high levels um they usually have extremely athletic backgrounds like ali's one at well at tom but Ali particularly like just played sport all the way through school like played so much sport probably got so much volume of like low intensity like zone two work done like Ali's aerobic base is huge like yeah I've done so much growing up and it gets missed that now but he can do like high intensity work now to like work on his like FTP or something and get a lot more bang for your buck out of doing that high intensity work because he's already got that like aerobic base and I think that's a similar thing with like people look at crossfitters and see like elite level crossfitters getting great results from doing really hard crossfit training it's like what they don't see is before they were doing crossfit they were already really strong they already moved really really well and they already had like a a youth spent like running around outside like playing games and stuff and they can bring all of those things to the table and now they get an entirely different stimulus from doing a CrossFit workout. Like most people just get smashed by it, but essentially those elite level CrossFit athletes move so well, are so strong and are so have such a good aerobic base that they actually get a conditioning stimulus from CrossFit, whereas that's not what most people get when they do CrossFit. Yeah, and I think that that's a hugely important point for anyone who's basically not an athlete. You know, and most people aren't, are they? Most people just come into the gym and you know they ultimately train to be better at life outside, but. Yeah, yeah the, the, prevalent, the prevailing thing you see on social media is like high level athletes, you know, the CrossFitters, your, you know, your semi pro ex sports people that have come into being PTs or whatever. And yeah, high intensity workouts, like you just said, for them are going to be great because they're at such a level that they can recover from that by the next day. They've got good enough sleep, their nutrition's on point, all these, all the factors of all their ducks are in a row essentially. Whereas, like, you know, Dave, your 50 year old guy who's just been at a desk for the last 30 years. Is going to be absolutely in bits for like three weeks after that yeah or or he won't be in bits but he'll get like he'll do essentially he'll he'll do no work in hit session because he's he's too weak and too unfit to even do anything that that drives any sort of adaptation do you know what i mean like um he won't be able to do a 20 second interval at anything that is hard enough to actually get an adaptation he's yeah. just doing 20 seconds of like ish moderate ish work as opposed to like a high-end athlete who can like murder themselves in 20 seconds on an air bike or, or whatever it is yeah 
And I, and I think that comes back to a lot of the, the really important point about understanding why you're doing what you're doing, doesn't it? In the sense of like, yeah, let's take a, a normal run. People go for like a half hour run, you know, and it, people always work too hard, almost, almost without, without thinking about it. They'll work a lot harder than they need to. They'll come back and be really tired after the run. And actually, yeah. which is fine if you enjoy it, I think. You know, it doesn't really matter how hard you work if you're doing it just for enjoyment. But if you actually want to get better at running, you know, you'd be better off going for a bit longer, a lot slower. Yeah, yeah, you definitely. Know. I think running is um, running is actually a really interesting one because I think I've come like full circle. I think a lot for a lot of people now, it is so hard to do the work that is easy enough. Um, like almost certainly if you don't have a huge background running a lot in sport you're going to be doing a walk run program to, yeah. to get the right adaptations from from a run um so a lot of the time if someone just enjoys running and wants to run with a mate i'd almost just like let them do it now and yeah. just write it off like no they're going to go too fast they're not getting any like the physiological adaptations that i would like them to get when i used to write a, a run in their program but if they're enjoying a run and getting outside of the mate, that's that's great. But it's a different thing to um, like a training run, essentially. Yeah, I think I think it's, it, you just need to know where people kind of what people want to get out of it, don't you? Really? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and they yeah, and they kind of yeah need need to know what they want to get out of it because obviously yeah, it's it's all well and good to be like look, go for a sixty minute run, and if you can be bothered, just finish sixty minutes. Do if you want to shorten it, fine. Just run at a pace that's comfortable. Yeah. And that, that's fine for most people, but yeah. Like you said, if, if someone wants to improve their 5K time, that's when the kind of having the numbers yeah. comes into its own, isn't it, really? Yeah. Right, but like you said, that, and it just keeps coming back to knowing why you're doing something. Because I think some people say that they want to improve their 5K time because they, they sort of think that they should want to, but they don't really want to. They <laughs> want to go for a run and enjoy it. Um, yeah. And both are equally um, like commendable goals to have. Um, but if you really do want to improve your 5k time, it's like, okay, well now we're, now we're actually going to have to do some things where you, where you, where you really think about what we're doing. You can't just go out and run every time. Otherwise it's not going to happen. Yeah. So that, I think that that's, it is quite important to know what you want. Like the context of anything is always, is always kind of the key, isn't it? To kind of getting, getting the most out of, out of your, your training and you know, whatever it is you're, you're kind of trying to achieve. But yeah, I think definitely. also most people have this, they have kind of goals in their head that they just set based on what they think they should be able to do. Of like, yeah. let's use a 20 minute 5K as a classic example. Yeah. Yeah. Most people are like, oh yeah, I want to be able to break that 20 minute barrier. And you're like, well, why? Like, does that make you a good runner? No, not really. Like yeah. it, it might be good for you, which is, a, it was very different so, yeah, to being that, that's, a good runner. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's, that's like a really good point. And it's almost, for some people, I, I think it's quite good to like be a bit brutal with them and and like almost put in perspective how crap all of our goals are. Yeah. Like I, I'd love to be able to like, you know, squat 200 at one point before I start worrying about lifting heavy. I'd love to sort of like 250 deadlift and like, you know, run like an 18 minute 5K, yeah. probably do a, a sub 130 half marathon. I'd love like, I'd love to do a couple of these things. And a lot of people might think, oh, those are like relatively high level athletic goals, but they're terrible. Like 
an 18 minute 5k is appalling in the in the grand scheme of like yeah. actually good 5k's so having these like arbitrary markers markers that you judge yourself by is really quite silly because the likelihood is it's you're still terrible at running if you can run a 20 minute 5k now i like i think it's great if you want to do it that's good but you should be probably thinking about you know i really enjoy running i enjoy the competitive side of it i just want to focus on improving my running it's probably a better way to think about it than having like arbitrary markers that you're going to be upset if you don't miss if you don't um if you don't hit because in the grand scheme of things the people especially if if you're listening to this podcast you're probably in the grand scheme of things terrible at everything that you do (laughs) i I am you well you are like we all are grand scheme of things but that's great that that means that we know we're terrible at everything that gives us so many things we can just go and play at because we're still going to be terrible at them no matter how much we optimize it anyway so yeah and, and i think that's actually the thing you know if you look at if you look at it from that perspective actually understanding that you're no matter how hard you try at the age of 30 i'm never going to be a world-class gymnast a world-class runner yeah. professional rugby player you know any of those things that you know, people who are like 17 18 and have are in the right time in the right place and they've already put in 10 years of work are going to be able to do so actually just understand that it takes a lot of pressure off you i think or it can do so that you just kind of go well i'm just going to do whatever i can and enjoy it you know yeah definitely definitely i think that i mean i think that's one of the nice things about sports like running or triathlon because they have enough if you especially if you're sensible about how you get into them and how you progress them they're sports that you probably can even coming to coming to from like a relatively late start in life like i'm 31 now i can probably if i'm sensible get quicker at running over like especially like slightly longer distances um and especially like quicker at like triathlon and yeah like an ironman distance which is something i sort of like have on the horizon i can probably get better at that up to my like early 50s which is which is why i think those kind of sports like attract me now um Whereas, like, I've probably I've only got a few years left in me if I want to want to hit some of the strength numbers that I sort of have in the back of my head. Yeah, I, th- I think it, it requires a lot more effort, doesn't it? The older you get, you know, when you're kind of let's say 20, 21, 22, everything's kind of easy. Yeah. You know, you've got boundless energy; you can do whatever you want, and that makes me feel so old saying that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like. You know, now you can still make progress. Like, you know, there's plenty of guys in their 40s and 50s that are still getting stronger, yeah. but it just takes longer. And actually, yeah. you know, do you have the time for that? Do you have the energy to keep to keep progressing? Or are you quite happy just you know, ticking along and actually going for a run or going for a long bike ride might be more suited to you from like, yeah. a, a, if you want a mental break, for example, a nice long bike ride, I think one of the best things you can do. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think like, keep dipping in and out of things but i do think like cycling is probably a really good idea for lots of people to get into because it's so much easier to go for an easy ride and and one it be useful to you like you'll get actually useful physiological adaptations to it um but equally like the freedom like to go quite a long distance on a bike is um like i love running but i think cycling opens up a lot more doors to people to be able to go and do like easy things and classify them as training which is a i think a really useful tool to have yeah definitely i think um yeah i do think a lot of people and it's something i think i've said quite a few times in the, over the course of like the podcast episodes like people seem to have this expectation that if you want to get fitter or stronger you need to go to the gym 
And whilst it might be quite bad for business saying you don't, you absolutely don't. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's much better that you find something you enjoy. I don't care whether that's dancing, swimming, yoga, whatever that you do regularly but gets you active than going to the gym if you hate it yeah definitely i was actually like thinking about this the other day and i started writing some stuff um fully formulated. but i think the only reason we need the gym and we need training programs like i say need is that like our lives nowadays um they've robbed us of so much of the variability that we used to have like like ancestrally sort of like yeah. just move around all day like so now we have to train and i think most people probably do need the gym and they do need a sensible program because there's you need that system in place to make sure that you're getting some of the things that you yeah. don't get because now we live by that at desks, especially because of lockdown you know yeah. we, we move in one plane of motion so now i think that almost obviously in theory you don't need a gym i think most people need that need a gym, need a training program and need a system to give them a lot of the stuff that they, they, they need, but they won't do otherwise. Yeah. And I, th I think that's the hardest bit for a lot of people is actually the motivation to, I say motivation, like it's a, a real thing, but you know, that kind of drive to get out of their chair and actually like, work hard. If you've been going from like your bed to the sofa, to the chair, and then it, it's quite comfortable, isn't it? You, know, you don't feel like you really yeah. want to suffer at all. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah after you've been doing that for quite a lot of years it's quite hard to break the mold and, and start you know doing a bit of something that's actually going to be beneficial because oh, and it's so easy to get out of the habit of it like in the first lockdown um my my son had obviously just been born and i like really struggled initially to um to like keep that habit up when we were just training in the in the flat um with atlas like crawling around so i was like changing nappies trying to do zoom sessions and then trying to get myself up for a productive training session in like essentially the same sort of five square meters or whatever yeah um so and like i got out of the habit of it and then it was like uncomfortable and difficult to like break that break the habit of just like sitting on the sofa doing some work and and do a training session so people that don't have that habit and haven't had it for years i like really tough there's no there's no like getting around that i think that's why I get a bit annoyed again with like this message of training having to be hard and like like a lot of the like I don't know like you've got to be a lion or whatever it is those kind of like beast mode quotes. Yeah, don't be a sheep. So much for <laughs> most people. Yeah, well, for most people, like going to the gym or starting a training session is like that is the really hard thing that they should do. Yeah. Like that that that's the uncomfortable thing. Like do, obviously, doing uncomfortable stuff is really good for us and like getting good at doing things that is uncomfortable is great it's just that for most people the uncomfortable thing is you know putting their joggers on and starting a gym session yeah i think that that's almost you know more more often than not i think that's why a lot of people search for why i think that's more often than not why quite a lot of people search for like coaches isn't it because yeah. it gives them that accountability and it's like you know they're essentially handing money over to you to make them do the stuff they don't really want to do um, yeah. Is then our job to obviously you know, plan that appropriately for that individual and, and you make, make sure they progress safe and stuff. But yeah, I think that's a lot of the, the reason why we you know, why we're here is just for people to kind of actually have a reason to do it. Yeah, definitely, mate. Um, which is which is quite interesting. I think. And, and another thing I think quite to ask. I know you mentioned at the start, like 
you, you kind of found Andy and Mark and, and kind of looked to them as you know, good, I guess, examples of like how to, to coach, etc. Is there anyone that you kind of look to now or you'd recommend people kind of search out for, for good quality information or at least, you know, relatively sensible things yeah, uh, rubbish so i think i was actually thinking the other day i haven't done any formal educational courses in a long time um and and i, I think i'd like i'd like to really sort of rectify that because i think it's a really nice process to go through um the problem is i think there's very few courses and formal education things that are that are really really good because for yeah. things to become systems they almost like by by fact the way they've systemized stuff they probably are getting some stuff wrong which turns me off a little bit yeah. um, but i probably shouldn't add it um i think in terms of really really good resources for like if you're like new coaches or just anyone um it it is really hard i can't think of a better resource than lift the bar for people for coaches yeah. um i would agree like the actual courses in there it is insane how much money's worth of courses are in there yeah. for like is it 35 quid a month or something stupid no, it's, like yeah it's not um, not a lot for what you get for sure no and if you like follow um greg slater who's like collated most of those courses and created most of those courses and left the bar um greg is one of the smartest people i know who is capable of like like bringing information from so many different places and bringing it into one place um then i suppose this is like greg knuckles is also really good um and like the mass research review is really really interesting yeah. we were having this chat the other day because i i actually hate like i like to think of myself as quite evidence-based but i despise reading research papers like, yeah. like it's, you know I mean? it's so slow you know? it's so 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 i think finding sources that you trust that disseminate that kind of information really really well is um is useful ah oh, the other one that i i think is excellent at the moment is um alex biada Okay. uh he runs i think it's complete human performance his company um i did their level one course a while ago which is brilliant on uh concurrent training but his book the hybrid athlete is one um in theory it's about concurrent training but i think it's probably one of the best base like physiology and anatomy um and programming textbooks i've read in a while in terms of like takes the information and then makes actually programming it um, really, really practical for people. Is that is that something that you would say is, is better for coaches, or is it something that you could read as like a kind of your layperson actually translate that into to things for you? Uh, I think it's probably at, at about the level that if you're like an enthusiastic like trainee, then you'd you'd enjoy it. Okay, um, that's good. I don't know, but I'm I'm a geek, so it's probably like <laughs> it's probably really hard for me to to place that. Because I I think it's like a really interesting, quite an easy read. Um, but it's I think but yeah. it's always it's always good to have a few a few kind of sources of information that that anyone can go to. Like like I said, that the mass research review is great because it breaks it down into quite you know, and the, and the podcast they do as well. I think is is quite yeah nice because it's you can just listen to it and even if you don't have a really in depth knowledge of it, they break it down really well. So you don't have to spend like hours pouring over really boring, you know text and make and hoping that you've got a good balance of them so you're not just basically reinforcing your own biases left right and center as everyone seems yeah. to do um but again like yeah it's, it's really hard to like find those little nuggets through the sea of absolute rubbish that, that yeah, is out yeah. there um yeah definitely 
there's um there's a really really good video by a guy called andrew galpin on developing your own bullshit filter in fitness um yeah. which is which is really interesting i think for like for anyone if you're like just interested and enjoy training but especially for coaches um because it it gives like a really good thing that it's like um like a scale like and it's absolutely fine if you're on the far end of this scale and you you like don't mind if things don't have much evidence and you like are quite bro about things like and and i'm i'm personally quite far towards the end of the scale like i love meditation and breath work and like yoga and like i think cbd sounds potentially interesting and all that yeah. kind of stuff it's great you can actually you can absolutely do all that stuff you just have to be able to say to people there's not really that much evidence um you know but there's a lot of people that seem to have some good experiences doing it and it seems to work for me and you know what at the end of the day i just kind of enjoy it that's yeah. great but then like at the other end of the scale there's like no i want meta analyses on everything and like probably being at either end completely is a terrible idea but as long as you know where you are on that scale and you're honest with people that's fine the problem is is when people sell stuff at the end of the scale that's like uh you know like the breath work yoga like yeah fascial stretching or whatever all at that end of the scale where there's very little hard research or evidence behind it and it's it's like really hard for there to ever be any good kind of evidence yeah it. it's really hard to study it um but then they add loads of pseudoscientific terms and sell that stuff as if it's like actually really evidence-based um and that's like that's probably one of my main bugbears i think for a lot of people because it's so easy for um people who don't have a good grounding in like reading scientific research to get uh easily sort of bamboozled and sucked in yeah and i think they're also often the things that are outrageously expensive for what they are often yeah. like you know most research reviews and stuff are actually you know, relatively cheap to to kind of get you know, it's like a few quid a month to find out some yeah, to actually get them to break it down which is great but you'll see courses you know the kind of like classic six-figure business fit pro whatever is a yeah. classic example of that it's like oh you know join my course it's only four grand for this webinar and you're like i'm absolutely not going to do that <laughs> because yeah. it sounds ridiculous um yeah so i think you know it almost if it's ridiculously expensive and it doesn't seem like they've got no evidence at all to back it up that's actually you know a structured like research review or something then it probably isn't worth doing but i do yeah, yeah. like you said you know if it's something you enjoy from a personal point of view if you want to do it like crack on and do your wim hof you know whatever it is yeah. if you if you really enjoy it but actually to get to his level again where you kind of are able to kind of i don't know lie in an ice bath for four hours and be quite happy about it it's, it's a very different yeah you know, you're going to have a very different adaptation unless you're at that at that extreme do you see what i mean so yeah 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 definitely definitely yeah. it is i am um, like i go i go back and forth because I, I i guess it's like it's foam rolling it's mobility work and it's like rehab and all that stuff and the more evidence i actually read like behind all that kind of stuff i mean it's one of the reasons i left doing like um soft tissue therapy is there is essentially no evidence behind any sort of manual um like intervention into that kind of stuff like most rehab methods like that you get sold there's no evidence behind them um like all we know is that 
movement is good um, and you probably need to do more of it. That's that's essentially like encapsulating rehab um, and training. Yeah. Like do something that doesn't hurt you too much and then next time you do it, do a little bit more. That's that's essentially training and rehab in a nutshell. Um, yeah. So that, that like I that there was one the other day, a classic, another one on Instagram for, um, I think they were called the Foot Collective potentially, but it was something to do with understanding how to treat the foot and like the actual Instagram advert was this guy claiming that he had a world champion powerlifter come in and he like fixed his squat by like mobilizing his big toe or something yeah um as if it's this big big claim that you're like no he you've already said he was a champion powerlifter already it wasn't because like, you know yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah but i think that's like with, with any sports person isn't it you know they come into the gym they're not you know, they're already excellent at what they do. Like yeah. the things that you can do are going to have very small impacts, hopefully positive impacts on what they're going to do outside of your time. Like there is no way that Usain Bolt's massage therapist made him the world best sprinter. Like he was already that. It just probably yeah. stopped him getting injured or made, meant, you know, do you see what I mean? So like, there's always... You're, going, you're a very yeah. small part of their natural ability if, if you're making claims like that, I think. Yeah, definitely. Well, training especially, and then a lot of the interventions around it, as long as you can get buy-in and commit to a process, and as long as, as, long as the programme isn't completely, like, stupid, yeah. probably fine. You're probably going to get results from doing it. That's why I think a lot of people um, get results doing, like, quote-unquote, bad programmes, is because they're sold this program. They really, really believe it because they're buying it from this like exactly or, or whatever. They they really bought into it and they stick to it and they like they get results from it, which which is which is great. But there are probably like better ways to do it for the majority of people. But yeah. um, I think that's why again those kind of things annoy me is because they get in the way of coaches that are trying to do like a really good job because they uh, oversell like their results and people like buy into them then whereas when you're trying to be reasonable and say ah, oh, do you know what it depends maybe maybe not um and it's really hard to like say with any certainty what's actually going to work for someone like it's a lot harder to get buy-in off someone when you're being reasonable than when you're being unreasonable yeah which is very annoying isn't it i think like you see the people who are very divisive tend to be like i don't know take james smith for example like he's very divisive he, he, he puts a line in the sand and it's just doesn't care he's going to offend half people and he's not and people say like a lot of people say like you've got to be divisive if you want to make loads of money which makes sense but i just don't really feel like it's the right thing to do on the basis that it's not right like yeah. everything is like well it depends you know you, you, do you want this yes then fine but if not i'm not going to sell you down the river for it because it's not right for you and i think yeah, it's quite yeah, a fine line i think i think the problem with a lot of things like that is that um it's not even necessarily that what they're saying is untrue in terms so it's been yeah. like cases like like james smith like yeah basically what he's saying is true um the the problem with like the, the messages that like a lot of people are like is i think they create like this like dichotomy um yeah and people end up falling on one side or the other and it it almost creates an argument that didn't need to exist um like the calories in calories out debate it like it's basically just two camps of people setting up straw man arguments on either side 
and then screaming at the, this straw man and they're not even talking to each other because they, they they both basically agree like no one's saying that calories in calories out is the only thing that matters like yeah no one or, or at least no one should be saying that i don't think. Um, <laughs> some people definitely will be saying that. <laughs> that's true but like but equally you have people on the other side who, who like say that hormones are all that matters and it's like they there's never people don't ever talk about the common ground they um because of people have, that have been like really really divisive you just end up having this dichotomy and you can only be in one camp or the other as opposed to talk about the practical application which almost always lies in like the middle ground on that topic actually um we're talking about things that are really in like useful. uh danny lennon had a really interesting podcast a few episodes on sigma um with Alan Flanagan about the calories in, calories out debate, which is really, really interesting. That's good. I'll go and have a listen to that because I've, I've fallen behind on those. I used to listen to them quite a lot. Um, yeah, the but I'll have a look. Yes, yeah, excellent podcast. Yeah. And um, I think that's a really another good point. It's like actually, if everyone focused more on like the, the common ground between people or like how people get results, you end up with an overall better level of, of, of coaching because. Yeah. You know, it's like when you look if you look at anyone or any kind of elite athlete for example in one set sport let's take olympic lifting people will always go oh what is it about Lu Jun that makes him so special why is he that good rather than going like let's look at what he does that everyone else does and then we know our kind of commonalities that we need to do and then yeah. the kind of rest of it is like going to depend on your limb lengths and you know other bits but there's going to be yeah. a few things that you can see that everyone is going to do in that specific movement, whether you're like number 50 in the world or number one, or even number 500. Yeah. But there's, there's a few set things that you're going to do and talk about them and expand on that first. I think. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I'll come back to first principles seems to make the most sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. People look at like, say, Olympic lifting, you look like a loser, and it's, they look at whatever program he's doing now or the way that the Chinese lifters squat and they, you know, they try not to use too much tension in their squats and they bounce their squats. And, oh, that's what I need to do to get better at Olympic lifting. Not all the best people in the world at Olympic lifting have been Olympic lifting since they were five and have done hundreds of thousands, like millions of reps of clean and jerk and snatch. So actually what you do is shut up and go and practice Olympic lifting for the next five years. And then maybe then you can go, ah, oh, maybe I need to like loosen my legs a bit in the squat like Yu Jun does. Like there yeah. is no conversation to have until you put in even like 10% of the reps that he's put in in his life. Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that that's it, isn't it? It's, it's yeah, people see the, it comes back to what we're talking about CrossFit wise. Like people see the fancy programming. They're like, oh, yeah, this person got this result from this program. It's like, yeah, but they also got that result from that program after 10 years of effort doing your basics. You know, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of reps of basics. You know, you're, not, yeah, you're, not, you know, you're not just diving into six weeks and suddenly you've got a 300 kilo squat. It doesn't happen. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think um, probably like a slight divergence, but actually something someone said, like so specifically if we're talking about crossfit so i think um like quite a few people come to high like start doing hybrid after they've done crossfit so maybe i see it a bit more than, than like you do potentially but um like the best crossfit athletes can turn crossfit work into like almost like cardio because they're so good at moving 
that when they're when they're doing thrusters, they've got virtually no muscular tension, and they're they're essentially getting a like an aerobic response from doing thrusters and burpees. But like when I do thrusters, I'm terrible at thrusters. My quads pump so badly yeah. um, that I'm not getting like aerobic adaptations from doing it. I'm just like really fucking my quads up, um, yeah. which is fine. It's like you know, it's a bit of fun to do every now and again, but they're able to do the same workout and get an entirely different response from it. And I think that's what people mess it off. Yeah, I think that's actually a, something that no, almost no one thinks about really <laughs> when, 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 they, when they decide to do something is actually like almost what they want to get out of it beyond either want to get big or I want to do this because I need to do it. But no one thinks is this, unless you're, having, you know, unless you're being coached properly by someone who knows your level and can, you know, can say, right, we're going to, you know, this is what we're going to do. Like you said there, it's something that's going to have a completely different stimulus from person one to person two to person three, depending on their level and their mechanics and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I think that's probably a really good takeaway point, actually, for, for the podcast as a whole, is really understand why you're doing something and, and, and like what you want to get out of it before you start. Yeah, I think that's probably like maybe we, we said at the start we were talking ourselves out of a job because fitness doesn't need to be that complicated but I think that's where like a coach does come in because there are nuances then um to like to programming and making sure that you are getting that stimulus that you want because like they're slightly nuanced um like systems your body adapts in very different ways to different responses so that is that's why you should hire me and James because we know some of those things <laughs> yes yeah we'll point you in the right direction without breaking you basically yeah <laughs> um, which i think is is the problem for most people that certainly i see is they turn up half broken and they're like well <laughs> yeah I, I think i'm yeah. done um and then it's a matter of kind of that's what's frustrating i think for lots of people actually and um, probably kind of one of the final points is that once you've got injured once either it sends you two ways either you you don't want to get injured again so you stop or you go and find someone who can help you try and get yeah. back on track and you carry on. Um, but you never, no one ever really realizes just how important it is to be able to move freely until you've been injured, which is really frustrating, I think. Because yeah. I think that's um, something that is very close to like my heart. And I know it is for you as well, because I've had like, like quite bad injuries. Um, and especially my back i had like really bad like back issues before um so seeing seeing how badly those things are managed um in a lot of the fitness industry is is definitely something that something that annoys me and i quite enjoy like working with people who have had back pain and are trying to like come back to their training because it is so important that you do come back to training um, yeah. or some, le some level of physical activity because that's probably the only thing that's ever going to save you from, from having those kind of issues again. Um, yeah, I think that's yeah, true. I know that's something that's very close to, to your heart as well, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think it's actually probably one of the more rewarding things, I think, when you, when you work with people who have, have got these injuries that previously you know, they've been to certain other practitioners or whatever it might be that they've tried so many different things and nothing's worked. And then actually you just tell them, to apply a really simple thing which is just do more moving that doesn't hurt and that seems to solve a lot of problems and it's like a big light bulb goes off in their head of like oh actually i just have to move a bit more more often and most things yeah obviously some things don't but 
most kind of relatively minor things that are niggly and annoying do get better. Yeah, I think um, I think that's a big thing that, uh, like, that's again one of the reasons I sort of moved away from soft tissue therapy and that kind of thing is because there's so many um, schools of thought that I think make people feel really, really fragile. Um, yeah. Which, like, one of the main things we know about back pain or pain management, like in anything, is that we want to foster um, like a feeling of resilience in people not make them feel fragile so it's really important how how you use language around people that have got back pain like they don't have a disc out they haven't slipped the disc their their hips aren't out they're not they're not like but because you know they've got a little bit of rotation or something people are inherently like very very resilient and strong and adaptable um and like i think that's a really really important message for people to take whenever they have like a little tweak or a niggle or whatever you want to call it. I think tweak and niggle are quite nice words to use when you have something because yeah. it, you know, you almost want to brush things under the carpet a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and like just constantly remember that movement will be good. You want to move more as long as it's like, doesn't hurt you too much. Movement yeah. will probably help you. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really interesting that you said it like that as well. Cause that's exactly the way um, I had Ben Cormac on probably a few weeks ago. And he oh, said, did you? I was, I was just going to say, as another resource, yeah. he's brilliant. Yeah, he is, and he he said it exactly the same, exactly the same thing. It's like you know, language. We don't want to kind of disempower people by saying, "Oh, you know, your glutes are switching off, or they're weak, or whatever." Because it's not about that. It's like, you know, just you're adaptable. Your body will, will adapt to whatever you put it into, basically. And if you're putting it into a, a protective kind of casing because you're you're scared of moving, everything's going to tighten up because you don't want you know, you're scared of doing anything. Yeah, um, and then you take this takes so much longer to come out of that cycle. You know, it's like the whole thing of it takes, you know, only a couple of hundred reps to to learn a movement, but then a few thousand to unlearn it and learn a new one again. It's the same yeah. kind of thing. Um, yeah, definitely. I think um I think so Ben Cormack stuff is brilliant, but I think sometimes where I disagree with him on something, and this might be I've never talked to him about it by the way, but um is I think where like specific rehab systems or movement systems can be useful is that sometimes people don't know what to do. So it's all very well and good, like me saying, go and move more and as long as it doesn't hurt, it's fine. It's just that most, like 95% of people have no idea what that looks like. So giving them yeah. like a specific mobility sequence is exactly what they need because they, they need to like, it's almost like, um, I guess it's like when you're learning to cook, you need you need to follow a recipe and that's what yeah. like a lot of movement systems and training programs are and the better you get at cooking like like i never look at a recipe now i just chuck a load of shit together yeah <laughs> and for the most part it tastes really good every now and again it doesn't taste really good and i guess that maybe that is why i get injured every now and again <laughs> but, um, but i think yeah that, that's something that I, I really like about um like like for example Edo portal's kind of yeah ethos is that you look at guys like Roy Gold for example who are just unbelievable movers and and you know again you kind of retrofit that and they his whole thing is like you know um yeah isolate and then expand and then integrate and then you can play yeah um, yeah which, which I really like as a system it's like you've got to learn um the basics and do them like almost within with confines of we're going to move your spine we're going to move your shoulder and then 
once you've got that nailed down, you can link them together and start doing just whatever you want. Yeah, definitely. That's um, like I that that the same. That's that's the reason why I personally like really really like yoga, or like can be done really badly. But for the most part, I really like yoga because it is a system of movement, um, but also because it tends to have like this like quite esoteric side to it. They don't ever do things too specifically. So for the most part, there's a lot of variation that you can just add in yourself. Um, so like whenever people generally ask for like a system of movement to follow me, I generally find see find a um, like a yoga class that you just enjoy going to because you're probably going to cover most of your bases if you go to a decent yoga class. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's it's almost it's, it's trying to simplify it as much as you possibly can, isn't it? That that still means people can go and do it easily, but aren't left yeah. confused. Because I think too complicated yeah. is confusing, but also almost just saying, just go move more is also quite confusing because people like to have structure. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's the same as in as as like the diet diet and advice of like move more, eat less is is absolutely true, but doesn't help ninety five percent of people because. Yeah they know that already it's actually like the execution of it is um, is where like you know the the pedal meets the road like yeah people people like rules the same yeah (laughs) yeah definitely yeah and i think that was that's probably quite a good point to wrap up on isn't it really um yeah, I'm so, not sure. I think there was lots of points, but um, there were lots of points. Manner. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I'm sure if people will listen carefully. They will have uh, picked it up. And the good thing about podcasts, they can always go back and revisit. Um, but yeah, what I do like to do generally, time. yeah, I do generally like to leave people with probably like with a couple of little points that you think would be the most beneficial for them from your point of view to go away and kind of implement from after listening to this, so they actually got something to go away with. If you had I don't know your top two or three points from what we've discussed. Uh, I think it is a really good idea to, we spoke about it a few times actually, figure out why you train. Um, like really, pro- like, you know, go sit down and actually write, write for a little bit why you actually train and what you want to get from training. Because um, I think it's useful having that and that you, that might change every few months. I think it's a really useful thing to revisit. Um, because that'll always help you like come back to when you drift away and do like different things. It'll always like bring you back to like a sort of middle ground. Um, and then at the moment, I think what was really useful for me is figuring out my favorite thing to do training wise. Um, yeah. that was really easy to do. And for me, it's like, it's quite easy. Like it sounds hilarious. But I, I, I love doing kills. I just love doing kills. I get like a great pump on, um, and like listening to heavy metal. So, I have a thing that I can do when I feel terrible and I don't want to train. I can like go and put Trivium on, pick up two dumbbells and get like a really good pump on, like literally just do like dumbbell kills for ages. Um, and the likelihood is, cause I've done the thing that I enjoy, I'm going to carry on training after that. It's almost like a really good warm up. Um, and I think having something like that, that is really easy to do is especially useful at the moment because it's so hard to get started training because like a lot of people are training at home. So if you can find a thing that you know you enjoy, um, like I think kills are great. I, I can't think of a good reason why anyone would not just pick the same thing as me and listen to trivia and do kills. <laughs> but um, whatever it is for you, 
have a thing that is like when you can't be fucked to do anything else you have have like a go-to so i know for like for ali it's going out on his bike if he can't do anything else he'll just go and get on his bike um for tom for some reason it's to like go and do split squats with a giant sandbag but tom which is weird. mental yeah <laughs> yeah but like find a thing for you that that is like easy to do that you're going to want to do even when you don't want to do anything else yeah i think that's actually an excellent point um it's always probably something i'm actually going to think about a bit more now um but yeah so having a really low barrier to entry isn't it just if it's something that you love doing you'll always want to do it um and don't worry about doing curls every day if that's all you can go to do because one you get massive arms and two it, it's fine you're not going to overtrain yeah. but like so it, it, don't is, worry about it sounds really silly but for me it's like I know that I generally sort of feel relatively good about myself if I'm filming my t-shirt. Because as soon as I like, I like, you know, if I've not trained for a while, the one thing for me that is always like, oh shit, I haven't trained for a while is because I know my like sleeves are a bit baggy, which is absurd. But yeah. like, I know that I can keep almost all of those positive effects of training if I just do some kills a few times a week. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think those two points is like, as trivial as it sounds, if you can write down why you actually train, and what you actually enjoy about training the most, um, it'll always give you something you can come back to um, when it gets a bit tough. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you for that. They were two really good points to finish on, I think. So thanks a lot for having you, for, for having you on. Thanks a lot for coming on. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, was great, been, that was really fun. Been good. Yeah, that was nice. And we'll look forward to having the other two on soon as well, hopefully. I hope that you enjoyed that episode and thanks a lot for listening. If you have any questions or topic suggestions, as I mentioned at the start, feel free to email me at info at simplesessions.co.uk or you can also reach me on Instagram at jamesleept. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'd really appreciate a quick review. And also, if you'd love to share it with your friends, that'd be excellent. The more people that can hear this and enjoy it and also hopefully get some benefit from it, the better. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode. And I hope you're looking forward to one more next week. Thanks a lot. Have a great week.